And now, Dick Tracy. This is Dick Tracy on the case of the careless crooner. Stand by for action. Let's go, men. Yes, it's Dick Tracy, protector of law and order. How many of you Tracy fans know what ornithology is? Well, it's the study of birds. And exactly 163 years ago today, one of America's best-known ornithologists was born. His name, John James Audubon. But he wasn't born in the U.S. His birthplace was Lake Kay in what is now the Republic of Haiti. And he was educated in France. His father, a French Navy captain, had commanded a naval vessel at the Battle of Yorktown during the Revolutionary War and had acquired a farm near Philadelphia. There, Audubon spent ten years collecting birds and making sketches of them. His interest in birds served him well because when he was about 40 years old, he met Alexander Wilson, known as the father of American ornithology. Wilson was trying to publish a book describing American birds, and his drawings were rather crude. Well, this gave Audubon the idea of publishing his own book, which he did the following year. All of you have no doubt seen Audubon's pictures of birds. Some of you are members of one of America's 3,500 junior Audubon clubs. These and our various Audubon societies were all named after the man whose birthday anniversary we observe today, John James Audubon. And now, here is Dick Tracy. Now, about this job of being a detective... I promised I'd take you with me, and we'd try and work out this blackmail case from the very beginning. You remember that Iris Ashland came to me and asked me to recover some letters for her. These letters had been written by her younger sister in a silly moment to a crooner named Artie Choate. Choate was just the kind of heel who would threaten to reveal the contents of the letters to the public and cause a scandal. As Iris Ashland explained to me... My younger sister, Joan, is now engaged to marry a very fine young man of good family. If he or his parents should learn that Joan wrote silly love letters to Artie Choate, well, the engagement would be off. So I want you to go to that miserable crooner and buy the letters. I don't care how you get them, but get them. But it was no go. Artie Choate told me to go fly my kite. The letters were his, all six of them. And he'd do business when he got good and ready. So Pat Patton and I dropped over to have another talk with Miss Ashland. If Choate wouldn't play ball, there was very little anybody could do. Oh, yes, there is something somebody can do. I'm not going to let him ruin my sister's life. Oh, come now. And that's exactly what he'll do. He's a mean, nasty little worm. Oh, yes, the bobby soxers swoon in the aisles when he sings. But you know and I know he has a disposition like a... uh... That he has, Miss Ashland. He's a bad boy. But we can't take a few love letters away from him by force, now, can we? Will you? And he doesn't want to sell them, he says. So our hands are tied. Perhaps your hands are tied, but not mine. There are ways of shutting Mr. Choate up. Oh, sure. Many's the time I've turned him off on my radio. But this is different. Do you see this? Oh, no, Miss Ashland. You're surely not so desperate that you'd... Have you a permit for this gun? Yes, I have a permit for this gun. And I know how to use it, too. If you men can't make Artie Choate see the light, if you can't convince him to give up Joan's letters and stop threatening her happiness, then I'll... Now, wait. Wait. Let's not be hasty. Hasty? I said, let's not be hasty. Now, I've been to see Choate. And got exactly nowhere. Will you listen a moment? 
And put that gun away. No, no, not back in your purse. In the desk drawer. All right. But I don't like the way you... You came to me and asked me to handle this problem for you. It isn't in my line of work, but because of my friendship for your father, because of his memory, I agreed to help you and your sister. But either you let me handle this in my own way or I'll withdraw from the case. And I won't have you waving a gun around and threatening. Is that clear? Yes. All right, then. Now, I'm going to have another try at Artie Choate. That's a good idea. Catch him when he's in a more cheerful mood. Although I doubt if he ever is. And I must ask you to stay out of this, Miss Ashland. And I want your sister Joan to keep in the background, too. By the way, is she here in the apartment? I'd like to talk to her. Joan is up in the country at a house party. She won't be back tonight. Well, you tell her to keep on staying away and not to meddle in this. I'll try my luck with Choate again about 2 o'clock in the morning. But uh, why visit a fellow like Artie Recruiter at two bells in the a.m.? He ought to be in bed asleep like decent people. Well, Pat, Choate and his band are playing at the Belshazzar Hotel. They don't play Home Sweet Home until 1 a.m. So I figure we can drop in at Choate's apartment about 2. Might be a good time. Well, I'm not a night owl, Richard. I like to keep regular hours. But business before pleasure, I suppose. So let's find a taxi and ride up to his place in the wee small house. No, 2 a.m. isn't exactly business hours. But musicians aren't exactly business people. That goes for singers, too. The kind of cry into a microphone. So Pat and I took a cab up to the Choate apartment building and got out. As we stood on the sidewalk under a streetlight, a fella came along with a large paper bag in his arms. When he got closer, I recognized him. He was Bells Jackson, the piano player for Choate's band. He saw us and stopped. Hey, Jack, where's the fire? I wish I had time. I'd go. I'd go for fires. Oh, uh, hello there. You're Mr. Jackson. Huh? Uh, what fire? Didn't you hear the sirens just now? No, I... You mean just now? Yeah, sure. Clanging along down the street there. Well, I'm sorry we missed the excitement. Is your boss in? Boss? Oh, you mean Artie? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, he's in. You remember me, don't you? My name's Tracy, and this is Mr. Patton. You want to see Artie? Mm Mm-hmm. He's not in a very good mood. Is he ever in a very good mood? He's hungry. Sometimes after he eats, he's like he used to be. I've been out getting some hamburgers. Fine, fine. Then we'll just go up to the apartment with you. You live up there with Choate? Oh, no. But I have to look after the band's music, keep it up to date. I make the arrangements and a lot of other things. Isn't it a bit late to be fooling around with music, Mr. Jackson? Oh, this is special. Tonight was our last night. How do you mean? We finished at the Belshazzar Hotel. We have two weeks to lay off. Oh, Well, then Mr. Choate ought to be in a good frame of mind with two weeks' vacation ahead of him. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. He, uh, he ought to... Somebody ought to answer that. Answer what? A telephone. Ringing someplace in this building. I don't hear any bell ringing. Do you, Dick? No, uh... But then, uh, perhaps Mr. Jackson has keener ears than we have. Wait a minute. All right, stop now. Okay, let's go up to the fifth floor. 
just push number five button. Okay. To me, as if you're also the handyman for Mr. Chode, playing the piano, working on music, and running out for hamburgers and stuff. Uh, I don't mind. What's Chode going to do with his two-week holiday? I don't know. I, I think he's going hunting someplace. Hunting? Uh-huh. In the spring? In April? I think he was going down south someplace. Yeah. Hunting. He, he was cleaning a revolver. Yeah, he must have been going out to kill something. You do that with a revolver, you know. What can you hunt with a revolver? I uh, don't know all the answers, Pat, but... I remember now. You guys were up here this afternoon. That's right. Say, by the way, uh, what's your first name? Horace. Horace Jackson. <laughs> Nearly everybody calls me Bells. Bells? Why do they call you... Oh, <laughs> yeah. They say I hear bells and gongs and things. They say I hear squad car sirens and... No, they're only fooling. I'm a good piano player. They all admit that. All of them. Oh. Solid. Come on in. The door's unlocked. Just go on right in. Artie's in the front room. Now, this way. We're going this way. I hope he won't be angry with me for bringing you up here. Steady, boys. Steady. Artie. I hope you won't mind, but these men were just... Artie. Artie, you asleep? Hey, what's the matter? Stand back from there. Stand back. Artie Choate isn't asleep. Huh? He's dead. Dead, you say? Well, how could he be? I, I mean... Yeah. Yeah, he is. With a bullet in his head. <gasps> dead. Artie's dead? Yes, he's got himself a vacation, all right. A nice, long vacation. But even from where I stand, I can tell one thing is certain. This wasn't an accident. This is murder. It's, it's the telephone. You can hear it, can't you? Right there on the desk. Yes, I hear it. Well, why don't you answer it? Don't let it ring. Don't let it ring. I'll answer it, but I want to use my handkerchief to cover the receiver. There may be fingerprints and... Hello? Hello? it was, hung up. It's murder, all right, Dick. No man could do away with himself like this. I... I thought he was asleep across the desk. He looks like he's asleep, doesn't he? But here's the gun. The one he was cleaning, right here on the desk. Stay away from there. I don't want anything touched. This is a job for homicide. Pat? Yeah, I know. I make the call. Is there an extension phone in this apartment, Bells? Uh, Mr. Jackson? Huh? Extension? Yes. Is there another telephone? I don't want to use this one. Oh. Oh, yeah, yeah. In his bedroom, by the bed. Lead the way. I'll try to get Lieutenant Berkey. He ought to be on the early morning. Well, it started out to be a simple job of buying a few old love letters back from a man. It's turned into murder. And right now, you know as much about the case as I do. It was certainly quite a shock to find Artie Choate sprawled across the library desk, dead. There was a revolver on the desk, too. But I didn't touch it. The first rule is not to touch anything. To call the police. If you do anything else, you just get yourself into trouble. Now then, I want you to be with me when the next step is taken. And tomorrow I'll give you the ABCs of a detective's thinking. So let's get on this case and solve it quickly. In a minute, we'll return to Dick Tracy. But first... 
What will it be like for a couple to go to the movies in 1955? You'll hear the hilarious answer to this momentous question on this Wednesday night's Great Bing Crosby Show. You see, the question comes up when Bing and his glamorous guest star, movie queen Claudette Colbert, exchange quips over conditions in theater lobbies. Their humorous repartee leads into a laugh-packed sketch in which the Groner and Claudette play a couple about to visit the Flickers seven years from now. On Wednesday night's show, the lovely Miss Colbert will also be given the chance to sing as she and Bing join voices in You Are Too Dangerous, Cherie, a song they'll do in French. As usual, Bing will delight you with a few solos, the same being the Thousand Islands song, A Friendly Mountain, and I May Be Wrong. He'll be backed by the fine harmony of the rhythm airs and the wonderful music of John Scott Trotter's orchestra. You're sure to enjoy every minute of this Bing Crosby show, guest-starring Claudette Colbert. So, Tracy fans, remember to be on hand this Wednesday night at 10 o'clock in the East and 9 o'clock elsewhere when the Bing Crosby show is on the air over most ABC stations. And now, back to Dick Tracy. Yeah, I got hold of Lieutenant Berkey, Dick. He'll be right along. Good. This is a job for homicide, Pat. We better not mix in. Yeah, but we're already mixed in. We can't just say we were standing here waiting for a streetcar. No, we'll have to explain our connection, of course. Meanwhile, let's have a talk with Bells Jackson. I'd like to get his story. There's a thrill and plenty of inside detective tips on this case of the careless crooner. Be sure to tune in tomorrow, same time, same station, for the adventures of Dick Tracy, featuring Jeff Morrow and Carl Eastman, and this is George Gunn speaking. There's no business like show business, especially when you have two top comedians like Abbott and Costello in their own funny show every Wednesday night. Yes, this famous madcap couple carry on in a strictly wacky vein on their ABC program each Wednesday, with Lou Costello giving out with his famous bad boy routine. His partner, Bud Abbott, acts as foil to lose shenanigans. Abbott and Costello bring their usual contagious brand of humor to their ABC Wednesday night fun fest, aided and abetted by singer Susan Miller and Matty Malnick's orchestra. For a carload of laughs, don't forget the Abbott and Costello show when it's heard every Wednesday night over most of these same ABC stations. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company. <laughs> 